This is the All Pro Wrestling 100 Podcast for December 9th, 2020. I'm your host, JB. This podcast is all pro wrestling and is only pro wrestling. This episode is an AEW Dark weekly review. I love to review Dark because Dark is about four hours and 19 matches each week, and I get to see a ton of independent talent that you don't get to see anywhere else. So let's get right to it. We have a lot of matches here. We start with somebody people know, Baron Black versus Sonny Kiss with Joey Janela. Joey Janela voted the most overrated wrestler in AEW by this guy right here, JB of the APW 100 podcast. Just can't stand Joey Janela. Baron Black comes out. He's got a lot of ring talent. He's got a cool entrance, but a terrible outfit. You know, this guy, he's got symbols and he's got patterns, and I'm pretty sure that if you had like an ancient codex and you got yourself a cryptographer that you could decipher these and they would scream jobber. There'd be like exclamation points at the end of whatever language these patterns and symbols came from. Yeah, not a fan. Uh, Sonny Kiss gets this victory. Next up, we got Danny Limelight versus Brian Cage. Brian Cage is somebody from Team FTW that Taz actually likes and supports. So Taz was very positive during this match. Uh, Conspicuously absent this week on AEW Dark is Ricky Starks, somebody from Team FTW that Taz does not support and is not positive about. And Ricky Starks has been on commentary every week for like five weeks, but they just can't get along. Taz is uncomfortable with Ricky's flamboyant presentation. Let's just say that. You can go back and watch past episodes of Dark for yourself, but Taz is completely inappropriate. And this week, after the blow-up last week and Taz's inappropriate behavior, Ricky Starks is completely absent from Dark, and he never comes out on commentary, and that's a shame. But Taz was on good behavior this week, and his favorite of Team FTW was out there. Uh, Cage isn't a threat to Taz, so Taz is very positive when he's out. Cage is uncharismatic as hell, and he doesn't know what to do with a microphone. Ricky Starks, on the other hand, in 2020, he can talk circles right around Taz. So Taz can't stand Ricky's presentation... And Ricky's got talent, and that's intimidating to a small man who's aging out of a young man's industry. Cage actually sells for Limelight for a minute, which is surprising. I've been watching Brian Cage for years. He doesn't sell much, and when he does, he's not very good at it. But this was a good match. Cage looked good. Cage gets the victory. Next up, Alex Gracia versus Nyla Rose. I've got some thoughts on this match. I love me some Alex Gracia. Somebody pointed out to me that on last week's podcast, it sounded like I was morphing it into Garcia. Sorry about that. It's Gracia. And I've been supportive of Alex for a while. She's fun to watch, and it's fun to watch Nyla dominate sexy, colorful luchadoras. This is interesting, and it occurred to me while I was watching this. For those of you that that don't know or don't remember, Nyla Rose was born a boy and became a girl genetically, biologically, and she apparently felt like a female her whole life, and she transitioned into the world of a female. And now she's in female wrestling. But 30 years ago, to have a transgendered woman in her situation who looks like her with this size, uh, beating up and dominating a young, colorful Latina luchadora, this would have been sold on VHS tapes for like 50 bucks a piece. It would have been poor, grainy quality, and it would have been awesome. And now it's awesome, and it's shown on YouTube every week, and it's free, and everybody can watch it, and there's nothing fetishized about it at all. The world has come a long way. The world is getting applause here for evolving, ladies and gentlemen. Nyla Rose dominates Alex Gracia and gets the victory. And one of these days, we're going to create a program where all of these young ladies that I love to root for each week actually get to fight each other and some of them get to win. Because my favorite girls on Dark never get to win. 
Post-match, Vicky Guerrero calls Brandy Rhodes the chief bullshit officer, and that gets a pop from some of the folks in the crowd who all work for AEW. Yeah, I love me Vicky Guerrero. She's out there in a dress waving in that Atlantic breeze. I'm a big fan of all of this. I've had Vicky fantasies for a decade, so she just gets better with age like a fine wine. Like a fine wine with a shrill voice. Vicky Guerrero, big fan. And you follow Vicky Guerrero with the waiting room with the sexiest dentist, Britt Baker. She is my favorite dentist, and she has old man Dustin Rhodes on to talk about his time representing the Union in the Civil War and his new action figures from AEW where he is, like, literally nine inches taller than Cody to scale. I'm not sure what's happening, but his figure, a good 20% taller than his brother, it's weird. But he talks about how these figures were commemorative for their match against each other. Historic match means a lot to him. He's proud of the figure. Of course, he towers over his brother, so he should be proud of the figure. When this is done, fascinating. Marco Stunt comes out, and he plays a song. And I'm thinking, all right, well, this is supposed to be a talk show. It's like The Tonight Show, but much, much better than any Tonight Show's been for 30 years. Johnny Carson was the last great host of The Tonight Show. And carrying on the torch for Johnny Carson is now the world's sexiest dentist, Britt Baker. That's what I'm saying about this. I'm an expert on not only Johnny Carson, but also sexy dentist. You're hearing that here first. So Marco Stunt comes out, and I'm thinking this is just part of the parody of The Tonight Show. I was wrong. Marco Stunt has talent. You could tell Marco was nervous. And if you're a singer, you saw a lot of room for improvement with... A lot of breathy singing and a lot of adding of syllables that don't belong. And it's just because he was nervous, but he was good. The song was good. He could play and sing at the same time, and he kept rhythm, and he didn't get fast, and he didn't let the moment get him carried away. He was good. This kid can play. If he wrote this song, then this kid can write. Got a little redundant towards the end. I don't know how long he's been at it, but he's pretty young. He can't have been at it for that long. I see why he was given this opportunity. This is probably something the boys have been talking about, and Tony Khan's been trying to work into television somehow for some time. Now he got his shot. It's on YouTube. But people watch this, and I hope people stick around for this skit. I, If I wasn't doing a podcast, I probably wouldn't have watched it. But I do a podcast, and I did watch it, and I'm glad I did. This kid's got talent. Don't like seeing him in the ring. It's not believable. I'm not a fan of the fake pro wrestling, the uh, slapstick humor with the cheeseburger and all the Ring of Honor tactics, and not a fan of all that. So I don't like seeing Marco Stunt get in there with grown-ass men who should just be beating the hell out of him, but he rides on the back of a dinosaur. Look, that's not my thing, but this kid's good at music, so why not showcase the talent? You've, you've got all this room on your YouTube show. I, I support it. It was a good decision. I like seeing the kid play. Maybe they'll do it again in the future. Next up, Aaron Solo versus Dark Order number 10, Preston Vance. This is an attempt to get Dark Order number 10 over before he fights Dustin Rhodes tomorrow, Gold Dustin, on AEW Dynamite. Next match, number 6, we got PPA, Pretty Peter Avalon versus Louis Valley. Feel bad for Louis Valley. Louis Valley's a bad man. Would not want to run into him in an alley when he came out angry and a little drunk. Look, this guy, not somebody you want to see in a dark alley, but this is pro wrestling. He does the job for Pretty Peter Avalon. And that's three wins in a row for PPA all day. He cuts a post-match promo, says he's going to have some kind of pageant coming up. I'm sure that'll be entertaining. He's got a good gimmick going right now. Next up, the obligatory weekly victory for the Gun Club against three guys named Sean this week. One of them being Ryzen, who I believe is a star. Never knew Sean was Ryzen's first name. 
but Sean Maluda and another guy named Sean are all involved in this. I'd love to give them all props like this is a serious match, but I'm tired of the Gun Club and Brandon Cutler being on every episode of Dark, winning every episode of Dark. It appears to me that Tony Khan believes if he stops making a weekly sacrifice to the Gun family, that the Ocean God will sweep Jacksonville off into the sea. Match number eight, we got Danny Jordan with her burn book and an elaborate choreographed entrance sequence that is hot. Now, I saw Danny fight a couple weeks ago against Leva Bates where they each brought books. It was the Battle of the Books. It was the Battle of the Books nobody watched but me, but I enjoyed it. This week she comes out, she does this elaborate entrance. She is hot. And of course she's fighting terrible red velvet that I can't stand. I'll tell you, my girlfriend's got something she says when she sees red velvet. She screams at the TV, Get out of here, Red Velvet. All you do is stir all the time. And it's totally true. And I noticed that Red Velvet's opponents, they're like, stop stirring. Because, and I'm yelling at the TV. I'm yelling, stop stirring. If you haven't seen Dark and you listen to me come on each week and talk about Dark, you have to wonder, who is this Red Velvet? And why is she always stirring? What is she stirring? Well, listen, I don't know what she's stirring. I'm here to bring you information about programs you might not have watched. I don't know what she's stirring. And I think anybody knows. She says... It's like her grandma's kitchen or something. So even though she's wearing an outfit that doesn't look like anything anybody would cook in, it's completely impractical for the kitchen. It's like red boots and a bra and panty set. There's nothing to do with the kitchen, but she's stirring all the time. But she's not like stirring with both hands like a cauldron, like, you know, the witch that lives in the woods that that boils children. No, not that kind of stir. It's like a martini stir. Well, who makes martinis in the kitchen? There's holes all through this premise that Red Velvet's trying to set. The biggest hole in Red Velvet's premise is how she keeps beating all of these more charismatic ladies. I hate that. I wish they'd figure out. Tony Khan knows how to hire girls. He just doesn't know how to push the right ones. He keeps making bad decisions with this women's division. Red Velvet wins this one. Casadora into a bulldog. That running knee into a pin. Whatever. Running boot. Next match, we got Falco and Mike Magnum against Jurassic Express. Weekly sacrifice to the dinosaur team. Tenth match of the night, Fuego Del Sol versus Brandon Cutler. Tony Khan believes that if Brandon Cutler's samurai helmet doesn't get pyro at least once a week, then the Japanese Air Force will fly all the way across the world and they will blow up Jacksonville. They will blow up the city of Jacksonville. Okay, that so Cutler, he's in Being the Elite. He produces it when he's not landscaping the Young Bucks side yard, just the side yard. He's not allowed to landscape the front because of that thing that happened a couple of years ago that it offended Nick's girlfriend at the time. So, no, he's just allowed the side yard. And when he's not landscaping the side yard, he's producing being the elite. And when he's not doing that, he's wearing the Fugazi samurai helmet that gets its own pyro so that Tony Khan can make his sacrifice to the samurai pyro god and try to prevent a bombing from the Japanese Air Force. I'll never understand why Brandon Cutler gets to win every week. I don't even know why he's on TV every week. This seems ridiculous. This has to be a favor to the Young Bucks, but I've been saying this for 13 or 14 months. How many favors do the Young Bucks have to call in on this guy's behalf? I'll tell you, he must landscape the hell out of that side yard. He gets his sixth victory in a row here. Basically, Brandon Cutler laying the groundwork with that pyro for the hot, hot, hot match. Match of the night, in my opinion between Eva Lease and Skylar Moore. Now, Skylar Moore, she's my favorite 0-6 AEW girl. Of all the girls that are 0-6 in AEW, and you'd be surprised, there are multiple girls that are 0-6, Skylar Moore's my favorite. 
Skylar Moore looks like a soap opera star just waiting to happen. I'm not sure what that means. You can interpret that however you want, but I love me some Skylar Moore. And we've already covered that Eva Lee is an angry young lady, and most of her opponents end up hating her by the time the match is over. If Skylar Moore looks like a soap opera star waiting to happen, then Ivelisse looks like a girl that I bought a couple of drinks for once in Vegas. And when I turned around, she stole my rental car. And then they found the thing. It was left abandoned in a, a lot outside Guadalajara, Mexico. I don't know how she drove it across the border, but that's what Ivelisse looks like tonight. She looks good. You know, her and Diamante coming out with the gunshot music. I'm a big fan of that, but uh, it always gives me carjacking flashbacks. Like a sexy carjacking, right? So meanwhile, my car may be stolen, but I'm watching Skylar Moore wrestle all day long. I can watch Skylar Moore wrestle for so long that I'll forget to go to the bathroom and it'll become dangerous for my health. Ivelisse gets the victory, but not before I had a really good time. I enjoyed this match. Next up, Lindsay Snow versus Big Swole, whatever. I'm, I'm over Big Swole. I've talked about it here before. Lindsay Snow's tattoos get in her way, and Big Swole gets the victory. And afterwards, Big Swole completely disrespects Lindsay Snow and tells her she needs to get out of the ring so she can pose, which is inappropriate. These girls are independent wrestlers. These are their moments, too. They're doing the job for you. Don't be rude. And don't tell me that's your character and it was written that way. That's rude. Big Swole, who do you think you are? Get out of here, Big Swole. A little too big for your britches, Swole. Next up, Sutera Chung and VSK versus TH2, the hybrid two promoting their match tomorrow night on Dynamite against the Young Bucks. I gotta admit, Angelico is funny. This guy's kind of funny. Haven't been a fan of TH2, but the way Angelico calls that dancing, Taz and I were quite caught up in it. It's not really dancing, but it's humorous, and Taz says that if he'd have done that at his wedding, he might have gotten over. Apparently, Taz's own wedding is the one place Taz can't get over. So that's funny. Match number 14, Tesha Price, who is 0-4. Every week I ask Tony Khan to let Tesha Price win a match, and every week he doesn't. Because this week she fights Diamante. She ain't going to win this fight. Diamante. Oh my gosh. I'm just going to say that post-match, Diamante had to be taken to the hospital so that her bikini shorts could be surgically removed from her lady parts. Because that's how tight these were. And that's where they went during the match. And she knows it. And she wears them every week on dark, and it makes dark just a little bit brighter, okay? Tesha Price, her shorts are too long, Tesha. And that's why she doesn't get to win. She's got these, like, boys golfing shorts. Yeah, she does this bicycle kick, where it's like a roundhouse kick, and it almost went over Diamante's head a couple of times when she did it. But she's wearing these long boys golf shorts. Not a fan of these. It would have been very hot if she was wearing something different. Taz says, I'll tell you what, man, that was... That was a hard-hitting, physical, athletic contest. That was some kind of match. Now, that's a quote from Taz, those words, and he's right. This was a great match. You can't keep jobbing Tesha like this every week when she's putting on matches. She's showing emotion. She's making faces. She runs across the ring at one point and just pushes Diamante and screams like, man, I've had it. So This is good acting. This is what you want out of your pro wrestlers, and she can't continue to be a jobber every week if she acts this well. Diamante, same deal. Diamante is sexy. She's stiff. She's mean. She's out there with Evil East. They both have the same style matches. They're a tag team, but you've got them on dark every week. Move them up to the main roster. Let them get some wins over people like Red Velvet on Dynamite, because these ladies are ready to go. You're wasting talent, leaving them mid-carding on AW Dark. Move them up to the main roster and let some of these other girls get a shot at winning some matches. Diamante moves sequence for the victory with a standing slice bread into a code red for a pin in a very sexy way. 
Speaking of sexy, this match followed by Freya the Slayer, and if you don't know, then your ass better call somebody, because Freya the Slayer is all the way down here from Alaska. I'd never seen her before. I think she melted snow all the way through Canada, though. Freya's over six feet tall. She's a big girl. She a sexy girl. She got a sexy outfit that she was trying to fall out of all night long. She got a tattoo of a tree on one thigh that's bigger than my head. A tattoo of a big old eagle that I am afraid of. I'm going to have nightmares about this eagle. All I can say is between the tree and the eagle, I would like to find myself camped out for quite some time. Freya the Slayer came in as a jobber, but she ain't doing no jobbing. She's in there against Shanna. Just boring Shanna. Crickets. If I had a cricket sound drop, we'd be playing crickets for Shanna from France. She comes in, she gets her second win, but I love me some Freya the Slayer. I was following her on Instagram before this match even ended. Freya woman handles Shanna through most of this match, including a spot where she gives her the claw to the belly. I haven't seen a spot this hot in a women's match in a while. Claw to the belly. What the f***? Shanna wins via a tiger suplex where they both get stuck afterwards. Hey, Shanna, don't throw a girl twice your size in a tiger suplex for the win. If you can't dismount, pick a different victory. But it was an impressive move because Freya the Slay Estates sold it that way. She's the big star. She stole all the focus in this match. She was amazing. Next up, we got John Cruz selling AEW merch with Michael Naka Naka Nakazawa versus the acclaimed. And since they still rap, we still don't cover their gimmick. <laughs> Main event tonight, Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. in their new very effeminate team gear. They're known as the Varsity Blondes. Gross. And they beat Dark Order, Alex Reynolds and Colt Cabana. I have no idea what's going on. I now know why Frankie Kazarian roughed Griff Garrison up so bad a few weeks ago. Griff Garrison gets more flamboyant every week. I don't know what the gimmick is supposed to be. Is it even a gimmick? I don't know what's going on, but these two ridiculous. They have no business winning matches. Not a fan. That was your main event, but like I said earlier, there were a lot of great matches tonight with the women of AEW that did not involve two effeminate men and their hairstyle choices. So that's going to be it for tonight, AEW Dark Recap episode. Later tonight, we're going to be dropping AEW on Impact on Axis. That's that's a long title. AEW on Impact on Axis TV. Kenny Omega and Don Callis discuss their actions last week on AEW. We get to see the AEW title on Impact for the first time ever. Maybe we'll get a little discussion of this new partnership, see how far it goes. Everybody tune in to Impact tonight, by the way. If you haven't been watching Impact, you should be. This has been the All Pro Wrestling 100 Podcast. Subscribe where you listen.